the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Company and other factors not available. The following program is sponsored by Truth Incorporated. Philip DeCourcy teaches on recovering joy. Today on Know the Truth. Paul has exhorted unity throughout this letter because fractured relationships drain us. They crush us. And binding the wound should be done as quickly as possible. And if you'll work hard at forgiving quickly, your life will feel the better for it. Deeper happiness and wider joy will be yours. Like a broken bone, our broken relationships aren't going to heal by ignoring them. They wound us and continue to wound until they're set right. That's our subject today on Know the Truth with Philip DeCourcy. We're opening to Philippians chapter 4 to learn how to forgive quickly and receive God's healing for our wounded hearts. You can find more messages on relational harmony when you visit us online at ktt.org. But now, here's Philip DeCourcy with a message titled, Knocking Heads Together. In his book, The Secret to Happiness, Billy Graham tells the story of a, an executive secretary who had been pushed to her limits. It was one deadline after another deadline, one demand after another demand. And so she turned to her boss one day in a moment of exasperation, and she said this, When this rush is over, I'm going to have a nervous breakdown. I earned it, I deserve it, and nobody's going to take it from me. Well, that story, I think, humorously and yet ironically illustrates that people today are feeling overworked and overwhelmed. By any measure, an increasing number of Americans are right at the end of their rope, physically, emotionally, relationally, financially, spiritually. In fact, some are so tired, so discouraged, they can't even tie a knot on the end of that rope and hang on. In recent years, For the first time, suicide exceeded car crashes as the number one cause of injury deaths in our nation. Four out of five Americans admit that they need to reduce stress in their lives. Stress levels are greater than during World War II. Young people and even children are experiencing levels of stress equal to that of working parents a generation ago. It's been estimated that stress is responsible for $180 billion in health care costs annually. Some 225 million workdays are lost each year in the United States due to stress, which means that on any given day, 1 million Americans are homesick due to stress. Burnout is responsible for 20% of all pastoral resignations. And if any group is in danger today, it's the millennial generation, those aged 
between 18 and 33 whose stress levels are higher than the national average, according to a report by the American Psychological Association. 39% of millennials say their stress has increased in the past year, and 52% say stress about work, money, and relationships keep them awake at night, with one in five clinically depressed or stressed out or needing medicated. That's just a slice of the data that's out there. And what it goes to show is that as a nation, we're stressed out. And so I want for a moment or two just to talk about that by way of introducing our present series, Less Stress, based on Philippians 4, 2 through 9. And as we set out our stall, let me define stress, distinguish it, and detail it. Or let's look at its meaning, its symptoms, and its causes. And then we'll begin to look at our text, where Paul invites us to enjoy a peace that passes all understanding. Paul holds out the promise of a life lived in the company of the God of peace. But let's look at stress and its meaning. If you want a definition of stress, it is a nonspecific response of the body to any demand placed upon it. So stress is a response to a life situation. In fact, in his book, The Margin, Dr. Richard Swenson says, stress is not the circumstance, it's our response to the circumstance. It's not out there, it's inside us. Stress basically relates to how we handle life. So stress is our response to a given life situation. And you know what? Within limits, stress is a good thing. In fact, you're wired to respond to stress. Your body even can have a biological response to stress, which is good and healthy. In a given situation, pressured by a given set of circumstances, your body is a wonderful creation by God, and it responds by releasing certain chemicals within your body, which will allow your brain to work faster, your heart to raise its heart rate, and it will release a burst of energy so that you can rise to the challenge. And stress in that situation is healthy and good, where you rise to the challenge and you overcome the obstacle and you do something you didn't think you could do before. Stress has produced heroism on the battlefield. Stress has produced medical discoveries as people have given themselves to a certain accomplishment. Stress produces athleticism on the sports field. It can be a good thing, but it can become a bad thing, and that's when we have stress overload. When we are imprisoned, perhaps, to a set of circumstances that continue to stress us and pressure us to a breaking point, where we exhaust our natural resources and our emotional reserves, too much stress then becomes potentially damaging physically and mentally. And so stress, under certain limits in a given situation, can be a good thing. It's your response to a circumstance. But when it's unremitting and unrelenting, it can take its toll. But basically, remember, stress is about what happens to what happens to you. Secondly, what's its symptoms? And here I'm talking about negative stress, hypertension. It'll show up physically, emotionally, spiritually. You'll become irritable. You'll have disrupted sleep. 
You'll have diminished stamina, achy joints, stomach cramps, lack of concentration, forgetfulness. Emotionally, you'll become negative and pessimistic. There'll be an absence of joy. There'll be feelings of hopelessness. There'll be increased worry. You'll withdraw socially. You'll be marked by procrastination. Spiritually, there'll be moral shortcuts. You'll excuse sin more easily. You'll skip church. In the morning, you'll go to your phone before you go to your Bible. And even if you have time with God, by the end of the day, it'll seem like a blur. All those things are symptoms of unhealthy and unholy stress. And when those things happen, and a number of those things are multiplied, those are warning lights on the dashboard of life to step away and address the issue. You know, you've maybe driven your car and a warning light has come on. You realize, hey, I've got to take this thing in for some maintenance. It needs an oil change or whatever the case might be. If you remember Pastor Freddie McLaughlin, who came about a year or so ago to do our marriage conference, well, Freddie was an only child. He was kind of lifted and led. Most of his life, if you've listened to his wife, she'll tell you that. And he became a pretty impractical guy because everything was done for him. That was proven to me one day when I was waiting at the side of the road just outside Belfast for him to pick me up. We were going to watch our favorite soccer team about 30 miles away. And as he came off the freeway down to the side of the road, smoke was billowing out the back of his car. I mean, it was crazy. I'm sure you could have seen it from space. It was that bad. And he pulls over. I jump in and we take off. And I look. I says, Freddie, your oil light's on. He says, what? And he looks at I said, that's your oil light. I said, you're burning oil. There's something wrong with your engine. You better take this in quick. I said, how long's that light been on? He said, about three weeks. I said, Freddie, that's crazy. You're a polluter. You're driving everybody crazy behind you. You got to go and get that thing fixed. And you know what? When these things happen in life, they are the warning lights that are flashing on the dashboard to say, hold on. Things are not good. You need a tune-up. You need a check-up. So there's the meaning, there's the symptoms. What about the causes of stress in America? I mean, we're seeing it at higher levels than ever before. Think about this. Stress levels today are greater than during the Second World War. We're the richest nation on earth, and in many ways we're the safest nation on earth, and yet we are stressing at levels beyond wartime times. How do you explain it? What causes this rising tide of stresses? Why are young people and children carrying levels of stress that were found in their parents a generation ago? Well, I'm going to give you a suggested list of things. It's not exhaustive, it's suggestive, but I think these things are factoring into this press of stress within our culture. Diminished community. We're not putting roots down the way we did, which produces stability. We're becoming anonymous. We're becoming autonomous. And that's not a good thing. We don't have the support system of friends and family and that which is familiar. In fact, on top of diminished community, we have mobility and change, which produces a lack of community. We move four or five times across a lifetime. Things are changing around us at rapid speed. And I understand that that's just part of modern life. I'm not trying to be cruel or unkind. Sometimes just to stay in the job market, that's the price you pay. But that price comes with a price tag. And it's stress and anxiety and a sense of unsettledness. What about the breakdown of the family? 
I mean, the family's meant to be a harbor. The family's meant to be a haven where we come home and we kind of decompress from all the pressures of the day. And we're in the company of those who love us and there's joy and there's happiness in the home. And that's what it ought to be in the best of circumstances. But today, that bedrock unit of society is crumbling. Divorce, single parents, prodigal children. And that is producing stress in great quantity. What about terrorism and rogue nuclear nations like Iran and North Korea? We wonder when the next terrorist attack will take place here in the United States. We're a goal-oriented society. You know, here in America, we're encouraged to get up and get going. If you stand still, you'll get run over. Prosperity will leave you behind, and some of that's good. To challenge us to take responsibility for our own lives and work hard. But the downside to that goal-oriented society is we begin to identify ourselves with what we do rather than who we are. And our identity is tied to our accomplishments. You ever find when someone introduces themselves, they'll tend to tell you in our generation what they do rather than who they are or what family they come from. There's been that shift. We're goal-oriented. In some sense, you feel the pressure of trying to accomplish the next thing. Do you have a title to your name? Do you have an accomplishment to your resume? Because that puts you in the who's who list. What about heightened expectations? Kind of piggybacking off that, you know? We're a goal-oriented society. Go get it. Go grab it. And with that, this heightened expectation, you, know, you can do anything you put your mind to. You can be anybody you dream of being. Ugh, hogwash. That's not true. We've all got our limits. And yet we live in a society that heightens our expectations. And we can't reach those expectations, which means we fall short of those expectations, which produces a sense of disappointment and a feeling of stress and feeling and being left behind. Well, it's good to have expectations. It's good to put expectations on yourself, but make sure those expectations are realistic given your gift set, given whatever. But here we are in a society, you can do anything and you can be anything. And so we try to do everything and we try to be everything. Are you surprised you're exhausted? Smart technology. Oh, we love our iPhones. We love smart technology. They have added so much to life. Every time I use my GPS and my phone in the car, I marvel. You know, I can't imagine. You go back to those days. Remember the Thomas Guide, Map Guide? Good night. Who wants to go back to those days? I used to use that thing when I was doing pastoral visiting. So we thank the Lord for what technology brings. But With the upside, there's a downside. We can't hide from our technology. Some of us can't put it down for one minute. We're addicted to it. It exposes us to so much information, so much entertainment. It takes up our time. And that's a bad thing. If you read Robert Swenson's book, it's been out for many years now, The Margin, he calls smartphones and technology electronic leashes. It's like a dog collar and a leash. And your technology jerks you back towards your work or friends because you can't get away from them. They can get you any time of the day, anywhere. And that's exhausting. It puts stress in life. There's no downtime. There's no switching off. And then I'd say living longer. 
It's another factor. That's a good thing. I'm not wishing anybody's death, you know. I'm not saying I wish you were going at 55 or 65 or 75. Hey, living long is a wonderful thing. But do admit that with that comes challenges to stretch your finances across 90 years or 85 years. That's unheard of a generation ago. And then the longer you live, you know, that old body has got aches and pains that come with that territory. And that brings heartache and pain and medical issues and all of that stress produces anxiety. And then the last thing on the list, what about spiritual vacuum? In all of this, Diminished community, mobility, breakdown of the family, goal-oriented, heightened expectations, living longer, all of that. You know, we're being asked to do more. We're being asked to live longer. We're being asked to stretch our budget, so on and so forth. And now we're being asked to do it by ourselves without any help from the divine because he doesn't exist. We have exercised the ghost of the divine and the religious superstition from our culture, supposedly. And therefore, you can't Go to God and find Him a refuge and strength and a very present help in time of trouble. It's all up to you. You're your own God. You're your own Savior. You're your own shepherd. That's exhausting. It's wrong. And it will grind you into pulp emotionally and physically. That's where we're at. There's a perfect storm of stressors battering against our lives, threatening to capsize us. It's producing this sinking feeling. And that's why I want to come to Philippians chapter 4, verses 2 through 9. Because here we have a glorious God-given prescription for stress reduction, for anxiety relief. How do we stop stress becoming distressed? How do we go from feeling distressed to feeling blessed. Well, here we have a prescription. This is part of Paul's final concerns. Some closing comments here in chapter 4, verses 2 through 9. You'll find him doing that in Romans 12 and in 1 Thessalonians 5. And here, he wants them to experience less stress. Look at verse 1. Well, I believe verse 1 belongs to chapter 3. Do notice that he calls them to stand firm in the Lord. He's looking spiritual stability. Not instability, stability. But in the passage we're looking at, verses 2 through 9, look at verse 7. You have the promise of a peace from God, a peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. A peace that's out of this world for those who are living in this world that they can rise above their circumstances and know a supernatural peace. They can enjoy within their hearts and within their homes the very hush of heaven. I think we all want a piece of that in modern America. And then look down at verse 9. These things which you've learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. Paul talks about a peace that guards the heart, And he talks about living in the company of the God of peace. So we're going to work our way through this passage. I'm going to see that less stress requires reconciling, rejoicing, relenting, recognizing, requesting, recounting, rethinking, replicating. I'll work my way through all of that. And the first one is less stress requires reconciling. Because Paul here in chapter 4, verses 2 to 3, addresses the issue of relational harmony. There is disharmony between two women, one called Eudia and one called Syntyche. 
And Paul is saying, less stress requires conflict resolution. Now, you don't have to think hard nor long to understand that stress levels are tied to the highs and lows of relationships. A marriage that's in trouble produces stress. Friendships that are fred produces stress. Disagreement in the church produces stress. And that's why Paul addresses the issue of harmony among people. Strained relationships are a source of great unhappiness and great stress. We don't say for nothing, happy wife, happy life. Because it's all about relationships, down at the fundamental level. When the marriage is good, when the relationship is good, you know what? You can be short of a few pennies, and life may be crashing in, But you know what? If you and your wife are on the same page, there'll be a lot less stress. And you'll have energy and you'll have ability to deal with the circumstances. Because fractured relationships drain us. They crush us. That's why Richard Swenson, to quote him again in his book, The Margin, broken relationships are a razor across the artery of the spirit. Stemming the hemorrhage and binding the wound should be done as quickly as possible. Here, Paul models conflict resolution. And if you'll model conflict resolution, if you'll work hard at forgiving quickly and kissing and making up quickly, your life will feel the better for it. Deeper happiness and wider joy will be yours. So that's where we're at. So Paul has exhorted unity throughout this letter. Go back to chapter 1, verse 27, where he says that you would stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving for the faith of the gospel. Chapter 2, verse 2, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord. Paul knows that it's a wonderful, pleasant thing when brothers and sisters dwell together in unity. But there's a fissure here. There's a fracture here, and Paul needs to address it. These two women were two thorns in his crown. He's talking about them being a crown of joy. Well, these two women were thorns in his crown, and so he addresses the conflict. Verse 2, I implore Judea, and I implore Syntyche. He strongly urges these women to knock their heads together and unite their hearts again in the gospel. He takes no sides. He doesn't play favorites. He addresses one of them directly, I implore you. And he addresses the other one directly, I implore you. And so here we have the exhortation Paul makes. Finding God's prescription for a life with less stress. This is Know the Truth, and you're listening to a message from Philip DeCourcy called Knocking Heads Together. Here at Know the Truth is our mission to provide you with clear, convicting teaching from God's Word And we want this teaching to be available to as many people as possible through every technological means available. You can hear the previous broadcasts online, download our mobile app, or order the entire series on CD at ktt.org. While you're on our website, learn more about Know the Truth's mission to reach more people in more cities across America. We're calling it the Great Cities Initiative, and we need you to partner with us so that men and women throughout our nation can be transformed by God's truth. When you do, you can be certain that lives will be changed for eternity because God's Word does not return void. So please give today to help us send the gospel out across America. Partner with us and make a donation online at ktt.org or call 888-644-8811. And when you give, we'll say thanks by sending you a book that Philip has used in his own personal study. 
It's a collection of hope-filled meditations on Psalm 27 from best-selling author Paul Tripp, and it's called A Shelter in the Time of Storm. Engaging with a shelter in the time of storm will draw you into God's Word, equipping your heart to thrive amidst life's storms. Request your copy of A Shelter in the Time of Storm when you give to Know the Truth today. Call 888-644-8811 or make your request online at ktt.org. And if you prefer to write, contact us at Know the Truth, Post Office Box 30250, Anaheim Hills, California, 92809. I'm Wayne Shepherd. Join us again tomorrow when Philip continues our study on restoring relationships. We'll find the courage to admit when there's a problem and move towards a biblical solution. Listen again Tuesday to Know the Truth with Philip DeCourcy. Today's program was produced and sponsored by Know the Truth Incorporated. Jesus said, You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Are you thinking about downsizing your estate? Are you a little overwhelmed with the idea of selling your house while trying to buy your next one? Christy Moore, our trusted real estate advisor, broker, and best-selling author, has helped over 100 listeners sell their homes fast for the most money and without all the hassle. We just heard from another happy client of Christie's who was able to downsize with ease and stay in the property for free while their house was being built. Gary, tell us more about that. Christie's strategy was excellent. We listed the house like on a Thursday and the house was sold by Monday. Listed the house for $939 and we ended up getting $970. We want the house sold. We got the home sold within the first weekend it was listed. Recommending Christie would be easy to do. How about you sell your home fast and for the most money? Call Christie more because she will sell your home in 58 days or she'll buy it. Call 866-404-5858. 866-404-5858. 866-404-5858. Certain conditions or exceptions may apply. We Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.